On this episode, Dude and Jason go through the old Forester 117 series, then dive into the new Maker's Mark Cellar Aged. Tune in to find out what they thought on this episode of The Bourbon Hunters. But before we get started, do you want to support our podcast? Do you like bourbon gear? Visit our website at www.bourbonhunters.com to buy some of our custom bourbon gear and to help support the podcast. Thank you for taking time out of your day to join us on our hunt for great bourbon. Reward yourself and sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy. To another episode of the Bourbon Hunters, I'm Duke Poole. I'm joined by Jason C. And uh, we are flying solo tonight. No Tyler, no Brett, and uh, no other tagalongs. So, uh, <laughs> uh, well, I heard a great. I've been listening to the Smartless podcast lately. It's got uh, Jason Bateman mm-hmm. and uh, Will Arnett. Yeah, Will Arnett. I love that. Sean mm-hmm. Hayes, I think, is mm-hmm. his last name from uh, Will and Grace. And it's it's a pretty good podcast. It's pretty funny. And and I was listening to the Matthew McConaughey episode, and they were talking. <laughs> Jason Bateman was making fun of himself because they had Matthew McConaughey on like a year earlier, uh-huh. and his technology failed. So he was like, he went on a tirade, not knowing because the thing is, is they he goes Will Arnett announces who it is, and it's the fir- they don't know who it is until he announces it. So they're there, ready to go, but they have no idea who it is until Will Arnett gives his intro and then says it is, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, he never got to even hear that. <laughs> so he had no idea it was Matthew McConaughey. This is a year ago. His uh, technology fails on him. They can hear him. He's going off, like, on a tirade about how, you know, he's in a tailspin and all this stuff. <laughs> and and uh, Matthew McConaughey is just dying laughing. Um, and so Jason Bateman makes fun of himself and uses a phrase called, Mental midgetation. <laughs> and I immediately thought of Tyler. <laughs> and I was like, that is great. I cannot wait to to throw that at Tyler. One of yeah, just kind of unleash that whole phrase on him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, so today we've got uh, just, we don't have the entire collection, but we've got all but two of them, right? Yeah, all but two of them. The uh, Old Forester 117 series. We uh, We kind of thought of this idea a while ago. And um, in the meantime, then we realized that I drank all of my the first release that Jackie Zykin ever did, which was the Angel Share release. Yep. And then the Bottle and Bond one, which is the newest one, I was feverishly trying to get one or find a sample, but um, couldn't get a hold of the guy that I think that had one. Uh, but we have four really good options to kind of drink through, and then um, kind of a little cherry on top at the end. We have a little. Maker's Mark Cellar Aged, which I know dude has not tried yet, and be interesting to get your take on it. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about that one. Um, I'm gonna have to get a picture of that too in my room just before you leave too. So. <laughs> I've been terrible lately of taking pictures of what we've been doing. Like we had all those larcenies last week, and I we had a whole bunch of them just sitting out on the what table. What was it? So I listened to that podcast. What was the the last one you guys drank? Because I don't remember hearing the B five twenty three. It was that was the last yeah, one you had. Yeah, we don't have the C that just came out. I don't believe. I don't know. Because I don't know if you guys were just so like uh, you know you were feeling it. 
I we felt might, like I was I was listening and I felt like you just jumped to the last bottle and you didn't say what it was. I'm I, like, I which thought, one are they drinking? Oh, like, I thought we announced it earlier, so maybe I didn't say what it was. Yeah, it was B five twenty three for those of you listening and maybe missed that. Um, and I, it was good. I really enjoyed the B five twenty three. The last. The, it seemed like you guys love the C922 the, the C922 best. C922 is outstanding. Mm-hmm. The B523, I didn't have the A from this year, but the B523 was really, really good. Yeah, based uh, on what I had, A123 was, uh, I mean, again, I think we're getting into a point where where Heaven Hill is, is starting to figure it out, like how these, these larceny barrel proofs are and how they should be. Because A123 was another solid release. I don't think it was a C922 caliber. But still, and, that's yeah. three in a row. Yeah, and, done that have and been pretty good. And B523 was, as yeah. you said, it was really good too. A little bit sweeter. C922 was just a beast of a bourbon. And then I think the other one we did was the A120 maybe. Yeah. That was a bourbon of the year for, or whiskey of the year from Whiskey Advocate or someone like that. Was it? Yeah. That actually, yeah, I, I did not agree with that at all. That's fine. It, I mean, But it was yeah. good. It was good. Yeah. It's, I don't know. For those, those early batches of larceny for me are really rough. Well, and, and for me, what I didn't like about those is they were just hit and miss. You'd have a good one, then you'd have a bad one. Yeah. And then a really bad one, then maybe an okay one. And they just weren't consistent. Yeah. Um, and, and they that, didn't taste like weeders to me. I'm like, this that, just tastes that. like a younger Elijah Craig barrel proof. Like, yeah. there's nothing weeder about this. But yeah. now, I think they're getting to a point now, and now they are starting to taste. You're get, starting to get a little bit more of a weeder type, uh, a little more like the fruit forwardness comes through yeah. that you get from a weeder. But Heaven Hill is also one of the few folks that make weeded bourbon that go in the barrel at 125 proof. Yeah. I mean, that's that's good too. That's going to give you that extra kick, I feel like. Yeah, but most folks would tell you like, you know, Stutzel-Weller days and, you know, weeders right, need, lower, need a lower entry proof. Right. So Heaven Hill is like, screw that. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, that's the, that's the, we talked a little bit. We didn't talk about entry proof and stuff like that last week. We, we did talk about a little bit of the history, the Fitzgerald and the yeah. Stutzel-Weller and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, it was it was a fun episode, you know, getting into some larcenies like that. And it's, I walked in to Kroger the day after we recorded, and they had they had it sitting out on the shelf. Really? Yeah, they had uh, B five twenty three. They also had the um, <clears throat> what else did they have? It was uh, shoot, I don't remember now. But they had two things, and um, so I had to go in twice. Because they got their stuff a little bit later in the day. Nice. Um, and it's it's the thing I love about that Kroger is they never, they don't always get their stuff out at 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. or whatever it is when they open. Sometimes they don't get it out till 1 p.m. Yeah. And it's not because it's, I, I don't know if it just shows up late or. No, I mean, from my relationships that I've had with some of the guys at Kroger, Giant Neal that I've talked to, just basically really, sometimes it just depends on how the pallets arrive in the truck. Yeah. Because if you have all the allocated stuff, you know, that was loaded first, takes them a long time to get to it. They got to rummage through all the vodka and everything right. else before they get to it. There's okay. a lot of fireball out there, dude. <laughs> there's, there's fireball whiskey and then there's fireball. What's the other one? That, what was the? The uh, the barrel age fireball? Well, no, they had, the, they had that, uh, what do you call it, a lawsuit out against them because some of them say it said fireball whiskey. And the other ones were like fireball liqueur. Yeah. But there was the labels look almost identical, minus the word like whiskey on some of them. Mm. And that's what they were being sued on because they were being sold. Fireball was being sold at non liquor stores. Yeah. That didn't have liquor, you know, uh, selling capabilities. So they were selling the liqueur version. 
Interesting. And so people were buying it thinking they were getting Fireball, and then someone decides they have to sue because they're stupid. <laughs> but uh, all right, so it's an old Forester kind of night. I like this. Yeah, this is um, this is the warehouse. Uh, this H. is the warehouse H. What's uh, the proof on this? Uh, this is ninety-eight proof. Ninety-eight's an interesting proof point. It is, which is um, it's right around what I like about Old Forester, which is that one hundred. Yeah. So that's kind of nice. Um, so one seventeen series was basically the brainchild of Jackie Zykin before she left. Right. Um, her the early bottles, the first bottle that we talked about earlier, which was the uh, Angel Share, was the first release, and um, it was, was the first. That was a whole bunch of like light barrels, right? Yeah, like basically like a lot of short barrels yeah. kind of blended together. And it was it was a big deal to her. I remember talking to her about it and I think you did too. It was basically like having her signature yeah, the first was, female signature on an old Forester bottle. Yeah, we talked to her after the K came out. Mm -hmm. So that was uh when we got to talk to her. Which was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh you know, her unfortunately her signature's on the bottle anymore. So uh <laughs> uh but this is uh Warehouse H. This is the one we're starting with first, and this is According to the story and the lore behind it, it's uh, it really celebrates Old Forester's growth after World War II. Uh, the construction of the brick warehouse uh, began in 1946 that housed 50,000 barrels. Um, they said that this warehouse is a little bit special or unique in the way that generally in a low floor, on the low floors of the warehouse, you get cooler temperatures. For whatever reason, this is a heat-cycled warehouse, and the lower floors can get hot temperatures in this particular warehouse, which is, you know, un or I should unusual, say is, is yeah. unusual, yeah. Well, on the nose, I get typical old forester. Yeah, and this uh, is old forester banana bread. Banana bread. I was gonna say banana bread, yeah. Um and it's so interesting. I, I know some people that don't like banana and because of that they don't like old forester, but I like I I love old forester. Like I'm a old Forester homer for sure, and one of the things that I that stands out to me all the time is just the banana. I love banana, and this is uh, it reminds me of like the so. Growing up, my mother used to make banana bread, and and they she would just let those bananas look like they were going rotten, like black, and then she would make the banana bread out of that, and that's the smell that you know really extra ripe mm -hmm. banana. That's the you know, what is it? What do they call the, the esters, 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 you know, whatever it is that produces that, that smell is what I get out of the old forester all the time. So this to me, uh, and you can, cause I know you love old forester 100 signature mm -hmm. as well as I do. This tastes like an amped up version of that. Yeah. Which is interesting cause it's actually less proof, but, um, yeah, it's two points less proof, but it's got way more viscosity, I think. It than does. It does. And it's got a much more complex um, flavor profile. Like, there's a lot going on. There's, um, I don't know, the, there's like a leather in, in my uh, mouth when I when I taste it. Um, the yeah, the almost there. But this isn't a knock on it, but it comes off a little bit like, a, uh, like that furniture polish note. A little could, on the could, end. Yeah, I can see that. And I get it on Old Forester a lot. It's not. I'm sorry. It's not furniture polish. It's acetone. That's like what I. That's nail, what I pick up. Like nail polish, nail polish remover. remover. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought you meant. By and it. I and I get that on this sometimes on uh, Old Forester products in general. Mainly the higher aged ones. Obviously, most Old Forester products, if not all of them, besides birthday bourbon, are non-aged stated. 
Yeah. So it's it's you know you never know how old these are, but well, the, the president's I think, uh, choice is yeah. usually age stated. Oh yeah, too. president's choice. That's a good one. They'll um, at least say like how many summers or something. How many like summers it's yeah. spent? Yeah. But I mean, I think that's by design because they use heat cycling warehouses. I think it's the same reason why you don't see age statements ever from Woodford Reserve, yeah. um, and the other ones that use heat cycled warehousing. And I, so so from your perspective, what's the difference in say heat cycled warehouses versus say like a Texas warehouse where it's just unreasonably hot? <laughs> well, heat cycled warehouses are you know those are. Those are very uh, temperature controlled. So even though it's heat cycled, the heat's never to the point where I don't think it's going to get as hot as Texas. Right. Texas heat is just another level of heat. So I guess better better way to ask the question. Understood that it's it's not going to reach the same heat levels. It's a controlled you know environment in those heat cycled warehouses. But what I guess I'm trying to get at is Texas whiskeys and bourbons and things like that tend to soak up the wood quicker mm-hmm. because it's hotter. Um, they expand into that wood. And so a lot of times you'll see the the coloring of a, I don't want to say the maturation because it's not, you're not getting that oxidation. You're not, you're, you're skipping some of those steps in my opinion. Um, but a lot of people love that. A lot of people yeah. love that t- flavor of the taxi, that, that uh, flavor profile for the Texas whiskeys and bourbons. But, but what I'm getting at is, is the heat cycled warehouse another, I don't want to say gimmicky because it's working for them. Um, but another way to speed up that maturation is that, do you think like, you know how, yeah, I think some people view it that way for sure. Um, but I also think there's ways to do it to your advantage and to do it, you know, to do it the right way, which I think old Forrester has figured out. Um, which reserve also does it. Um, but again, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're underneath the brown form umbrella, so they're kind of sharing the same barrels. Um, you know, obviously they take the old Forester column still, they blend it with their pot still from wood to you know to make Woodford. Right. Um, so it's interesting because sometimes I feel like I can taste the forced maturation. I, it's what more does that come off as to you. It, it's a it, uh, how do I explain this? It's so it's not as uh, harsh as a Texas whiskey. Sure. But it gives me like this sawdusty, woody type of flavor profile. And it gives me a bitter aftertaste. When I get that bitterness on the back end, I feel like that's the, it's a youthful whiskey mm-hmm. being pushed through a heat cycled warehouse in order to make it feel like it's might be a little bit older. Right. You know what I mean? Because I mean, let's just old Forester in general, right? They're, they're what, around that six year range usually i mean the single barrels are yeah about four or five years old yeah um yeah which i don't think you're going to get that type of flavor out of traditional rick houses but again like you said i I think there is a uh a a, i guess a trade-off there in the sense that you do get a little bit of i don't don't want to say youthfulness because it's not really youthfulness it's it's, no but i i do think so here's the point like jackie's i can always said that Old Forester tastes better when it's proofed down. Yeah. And I think that has to do with that heat cycling. Yeah. Because anytime I've had one of the barrel proof picks, you can you could even point out to Woodford Reserve batch proof. That's when I taste that bitterness the most. So I maybe that's maybe that's what she meant because when you proof it down, it kind of kills that part a little bit. You get more into the flavor. You don't get those like harsher undertones that you get when you just like kind of 
somewhat force maturing it rather than just letting it be. You know what I mean? No, that's interesting. And I, that's, I've had that same feeling too. Uh, I didn't have a way to describe it, but bitterness I think is a good way. Cause, and I get that on all their barrel strengths, almost all of them. Um, and, and I love, there's a few barrel strengths I have of theirs that are just phenomenal, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they all taste better. If you just drip a little water into them and let them kind of open up just a touch. I got to say the more I sip this, this warehouse H, the less banana it gets and the more vanilla confectionery it gets to me. Like the, I just keep sipping and just keeps getting sweeter and sweeter. It's nice. It's a nice profile. Yeah, I would agree with that. I still get the banana on the nose. Mm-hmm. But I'm not. You're right. I'm not getting it necessarily as much in the in the taste profile. But it's good. I do like. Um, like you said, it, it is an amped up. Uh, we should have we should have brought out the 100 just to just to compare it as a starting point. I don't think the texture would have been even close. No, because no, that's definitely thinner. The, mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. uh, 100 signature yep. is definitely a thinner mouthfeel. Yeah, this is. This is good. This is one of those bourbons that I feel like I, I wish, and I know they kind of have to to give more people a chance to get it. But these little three seventy five bottles that they come in, I like it. Yeah, I I just what I don't like is this is something I feel like I could sit down for an evening evening with, and let it kind of as I talk about it, you know, tell the story evolve and as I drink it. But you do that with a three seventy five, it might be gone after two nights. Yeah, exactly. Two nights. <laughs> Well, you, we, you share that bottle, it's gone. Well, you know, share that's, it, if you share it, yeah. But that's what happened with the first bottle I had. I actually really enjoyed the Angel Share one. I mean, we go back to that one. It was so concentrated and uh, and just really rich and delicious. I couldn't I couldn't put it down. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, my God, it's gone. Yeah, I think you brought some of that over one time. So mm-hmm. I think I've had that, and I do remember it being really good. Yeah. The one thing I will say, just kind of looking across right now, is the uh, color of these bottles. Yeah. <laughs> now, the yeah. one on the far right looks like it's really dark. Well, yeah. Well, that's the, uh, that's the 1910 extra old, right. which so, we will get into. So that makes sense. But it's just, it's interesting because that one, these are all really, really dark, yep. um, which I, you know, I like that. that usually makes me think it's going to have something. Ooh, <laughs> that, that last taste I just had of that uh, first one, the H. Yeah. That was really that just exploded. That was yeah. Nice. It's really good, man. I really like that one. That uh, that was kind of a sneaky. I don't remember it being that enjoyable, to be honest. It's good stuff. Yeah, and it's our first one, so <laughs> let's hope uh, this continues. All right, so now we're on to the warehouse K. Now this is this should be a nice transition because now we're going into 110 proof for warehouse K. And uh, if you guys are unfamiliar with Warehouse K, um, I know you had pulled up some info, but Warehouse K is generally the warehouse you see a lot of their single barrels come from. Right. It said it was a uh, crowd favorite, basically, for mm-hmm. uh, a lot of the uh, uh, single barrels. But this was Warehouse K was built in 1953. Uh, it also is a heat-cycled uh, warehouse. Do they have any non-heat-cycled warehouses? Uh, that I don't know. I feel like, I feel like they couldn't because it would mess with their... With their process, uh, the, not just their process, but just like their consistency. Yeah. What? Um, so you mentioned that Warehouse H holds. What did you say? Fifty thousand. Fifty thousand. Yeah. What's a normal Rick household? Do you know? Um. Yeah. Anywhere from fifty to sixty thousand barrels. Okay. I mean, so it's it's a good size uh, house then. Yeah. I mean, some of the smaller. I mean, they can get into like thirty thousands. I don't, I think the wild turkeys ones only hold. Um. I don't think they hold nearly that many, but. Now this one doesn't say how big that 
uh, warehouse is. So it doesn't really mention. Uh, I'm sure you could probably find out and look it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> I do remember liking this when we had Jackie on. That's the last time I've had this because she only sent us that little, what is that, 200 milliliters right there. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to go through it. Surprise! There's actually any left. I do remember liking it. <laughs> this just like gets into the into the part where you're like, um, you know, you get all these sample bottles. You just like kind of forget you have it. Yeah. You know. Right. And I do. I have a I have a lot of those. Um, but this is interesting. I. Um, I get. And I don't normally get this on the nose, but I get a little bit of like a raisiny, peppery. Uh, I don't get the traditional banana on this one. Yeah, I'm not getting that banana either. Mm. This one is coming a little bit more of dark fruit forward to me, which I really like. And maybe that would fall in with the raisin. The, mm-hmm. But I could definitely see like a, I don't know, maybe. Definitely different profile. Yeah. I, I like this a lot. But I'm picking up a spiciness that I don't normally pick up mm-hmm. on a on a nose. Ooh, that's that uh, peppery spice on that first drink was really, really mm-hmm. evident. Even though it's at the back of the tongue, I felt like that was almost the first thing I caught. Oh, that's good. Yeah. The The finish isn't crazy long, but it's a nice finish. It, it kind of uh, lingers there on your tongue. That spice, that pepper spiciness, I don't know. What would you call that? What? Um, it's almost just like a pepperiness to me. Yeah, probably like black pepper. <clears throat> yeah, like a black pepper, yeah. It's almost but, like a, but this gets into more of the uh, some of the more tropical notes that you get from world from Old Forester sometimes, which I like. I'm not There's, sure I'm getting those yet. What's uh? I get it more in the palate, not so much the nose. The nose is dark, and the palate to me is light and spicy. Yeah, it is definitely spicy. I have to. I've only had one drink though, so let me. Mm. Pre- pretty good tongue coating still. Yeah, again, I, this, I see what you're saying. On the front, it is it does feel a little light, almost crisp, mm-hmm. and then uh, the spiciness on the back. Is, yeah, but yeah, the finish is the best part of this. Yeah, it, it's outstanding. That finish is outstanding. The yeah. finish is really good. So, what else has been going on, man? You've been uh, what have you been? <sighs> you guys been catching up on any TV shows? Um, <laughs> besides uh, besides Ted Lasso, done. <laughs> yeah. No more Ted Lasso talk. So, Trina and I have started watching the morning show. Oh, how which, is that? It's actually. It's pretty interesting because that's the one with Jennifer Aniston, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Reese Witherspoon, yeah, and then uh, Steve Carell, and it's really good. And what I, I I'm wondering how much I would have liked it had I watched it in real time. So the genesis of the original story and where it basically starts off is the Me Too movement, mm-hmm. and so it's uh, you know Steve Carell is basically accused of. Uh, sexually harassing uh, the women at his, and not necessarily harassing, but basically <clears throat> using his stardom. He's one of the anchors on the show. Uh, to is this based off of uh, the Matt Lauer guy? Is that? I don't think it's based off of it. It may be. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know enough to answer that question. To okay. be honest, if it is. Now that you've asked that, I could maybe see some similarities. I don't know if it's actually based off of any true event or if it was inspired by that or anything. I have no idea. Um, but what's interesting is in season two, they start getting into the COVID uh, stuff. So watching it now in hindsight is kind of an interesting take. 
because you're seeing some of the things that are almost tongue in cheek at the time mm -hmm. that have now turned out to be, eh, you know, kind of <laughs> funny. Um, but it's, it's good. The acting's incredible. Um, it's, uh, it's got Billy Crudup in it. Uh, he's in there. And then so is Mark Duplass, Duplass, however you say his name. Mm -hmm. Um, it's got a really good cast and all of the, all of the, uh, acting is just really, really top notch. The story's really good. It's, it's a little, um, I guess maybe soap opera E in a sense. Mm -hmm. There's a lot, and you have to. It's a drama. It's not a comedy. Yeah. You know? So. Oh, dude. By the way, sorry, not to change no, this. No, but I so just today, you know, I was at work and we had a birthday on our team. And you know how you go out for like birthday team dinners yeah, yeah. Uh, or team lunches, I should say. So we went to um, uh, what was it, the Mexican place, um, Don Tequila. Oh, uh, so Don Tequila's Spanish restaurant. Decent, decent Mexican food. Yeah, you know burritos, enchiladas, all that good stuff. We're sitting there at lunchtime, and they got they have a bunch of TVs on in there. Some are playing sports, some are playing uh, news news broadcast. But one of them, the one that was right in front of us, was playing a soap opera. Now I don't know what soap opera it was, but there was a lot of crazy shit going down on the soap opera yeah. that I didn't think was happening on soap operas. All of a sudden, there's this scene, these two women talking. Then the woman pulls her into the bedroom and they just start making out and going at it. I'm like, what? What is happening? Like, this is this is going on in soap operas that's now? Not, that's not my soap operas from college. <laughs> I don't, man, I remember one college, one year in, I don't remember if it was high school or college, where I got hooked on a soap opera. My, uh, my aunt had just visited from Florida and she stayed with us and my grandmother for a couple of days. And she was watching the soap opera, and I remember, you know, we were just all there, and I kind of got hooked on it, just watching it, and I could not stop. I had to find out what happened. It was I, and I remember the story. Like some woman got buried alive uh, because she was being, I don't know, some this crazy guy that that used to like was like infatuated with her, <laughs> kidnapped her, buried her alive, and the butler knew like what was happening, and he couldn't say anything because he didn't want to lose his job. And oh, dude, it was <laughs> I could this not stop watching days it. Days of our lives, was it? It might have been. I I loved so like in when I was in college, we scheduled our classes around Days of Our Lives. <laughs> well, because you didn't have DVRs or anything, you had VCRs. Yeah, who wanted to? It might have been Days of Our Lives, to be honest. But they the, is that the one with the hourglass? Yes. And like, that might have been it. Like uh, sands through the hourglass. And these are the days of our lives. So these are the bourbons in our glass. <laughs> <laughs> this is good. This I one, might uh, have to revisit this after we're done just to see what. Uh, I think I like this more than Warehouse H, for sure. I, it's um. It just got more finish, going on. Yeah, there's a lot of, um, and it might even just be the added proof, but there's a lot of um, spice to it, which I really enjoy, which kind of surprises me. I'm. Um, Although it doesn't anymore. I started to really... I'm really getting like white chocolate on the back end, which mm. I don't get. This is definitely not milk chocolate, but I'm getting like that really sweet white chocolate note, I think, on the back end of this. I could see uh, that. I'm it, like, what is that super sweet note that I'm getting? I think that's what it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, interesting. Their site basically just really, really hammers out the, the pepper. Yeah, it's a lot of pepper. Um, oh, bitter molasses. Uh, black cherry, black and then, cherry, and then on the finish it just says a balanced spice, but it doesn't really say mm. much of like flavor, flavor. So I could see black cherry. 
Yeah, um, I could see that. Yeah, but I mean that's not too far. Uh, yeah, that's good. I like that yeah, one. Yeah, I do too. Uh, that one's really good. What? So what do we have next? What's the? Uh, so next up, we're going into Whiskey Row Fire. Okay, so. <laughs> so this has a nice little uh, story on it, and this one uh, was created uh, by Jackie Zykin when she was still there. Uh, so back in July 2015, there was a fire that whipped through Whiskey Row. And um, in kind of honor of the firefighters and everybody that helped put it out for over, you know, a few days. Um, this batch was uh, a blend of barrels that were filled on July 7th, 2015, which was the day the fire was put out. So this is a blend of barrels. Now, I don't know um, if this is a, sp a specific warehouse all it says, it's a blend of barrels, a uh, distillery at 117, 119 West Main. So, all right. let's see. So this one I got, I had done a um, barrel pick at um, Old Forester. And okay. Is there water in there? Um, there might be a little still. Uh, I don't know. Do you ever, have you ever met Ian there? Was he ever one of your... Uh, barrel picking guys. I know you did one with actually Jackie Zykin, right? Yeah, there was another dude with, with her, but I don't think it was Ian. So when we were done, they had sitting there for us, you know, we could buy a Whiskey Row um, 117 series. Oh, very cool. And so we were talking to them and we're like, well, you know, those are small. Is there any way we can get two of them? <laughs> and so they, they were looking around. And to be fair, James at Bourbon Enthusiast, he had, he's probably done 10 barrel picks with them. And uh, he's even got, like, his plaque up on the on the wall inside the picking room and stuff. And um, he got he looked at his boss, and his boss looked back. He's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so I, got, I ended up getting two bottles of it. But, nice. Um, so it says aged at nearly seven years. Okay. Um, was that what you were trying to figure out, or what were you asking about? Oh uh, no, I was. Uh, was I, just, I just wanted to know if there was a uh, oh a specific warehouse. Yeah, a specific warehouse. It does not say uh, in here anyway. So, so these so these barrels were chosen by the Louisville Fire Department oh. and aged nearly seven years, which is a nice which oh, is yeah. a nice age statement for an old forester. I gotta say. Yeah. Okay. Well, I definitely. Well, this one's probably the, sweet, the one sweetest of the yeah. three. Man, this is brown sugar all day long. Uh-oh. This has got... Uh, the the description on the website has... Uh, what? Fred Minnick's favorite. Uh, marzipan. Marzipan, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. This is brown sugar and honey. It's really nice. Yeah, I definitely get the brown sugar. I could see the honey for sure. Um but it's sweet, man. That this, nose yeah, is so this is, sweet. This it's almost is, like a powdery confectionery. This is super confectionery. You can almost I almost feel like I'm going to accidentally snort the powdered sugar. You, you know what I'm talking about? Like you know how you accidentally inhale, like if you're getting ready to bite into powdered sugar treat, yeah. and then you accidentally breathe in right when it's at your mouth. Oh wow, that's wow, the, the uh even the palate is sugary sweet too to me. There's some um Wow. Not so much dark fruit on this one. I feel like there's a brighter fruit on it, like almost like a like a strawberry. Yes. Man. It's almost like a, uh, a strawberry shortcake. Yeah. Now, 
I am going to say that I don't like this so far as much as the other, just because the finish seems to fall flat for me. It does fall very flat. I still like K better. Again, did we say the proof it was on this one? We didn't say that yet. This is 100 proof. So Right at there. Now, the flavors right the flavors are great. The mouth feels good, but it just kind of falls flat at the end. You know who would like this? Tyler would like this. Probably, yeah. Because this is like a Blanton-style type bourbon where it's like super sweet. So two things that have to be brought up on every episode, Ted Lasso and Blanton's. <laughs> so we, we've made our quota. We've we made we our quota about today. Already. We've done both. So, yeah, I mean, the sweetness on this is outstanding. Um, I could see I could see people really liking this bourbon. Yeah, I mean, Damn. I like it. It just falls flat on the finish. Yeah, I mean, especially coming off of Warehouse K, where we were like, man, this yeah. thing, the pepper on the this pepper just on goes that, on yeah. for days. Agreed. This is like dessert. This is like dessert. Mm -hmm. uh, it makes me wonder that how the extra old. Yeah, I, you know, and I, I remember sharing that out, and I don't even remember what that tastes like. But I don't either. It'd be interesting to see. I mean, That'd I'm a huge fan of the, I'm a huge fan of the regular 1910. Um, that's probably that is. So here's a good question for you. 1920 seemed to be kind of the darling of the whiskey row series for a long time, and I still think for most people it is. Yeah. But the newer bottlings to me have changed up a little bit. It's gone for me, at least from my luck, from my perspective, from the bottles that I've bought personally. You, I've got. It went from like they used to give me like this really nice black cherry, chocolatey type of note to it with the banana. The 1920. 1920. Okay. And now it's shifted. The later bottlings, the ones that are current now, the ones that I have bought, have been way heavier on the banana and less of like the cherry chocolate flavor that I loved from the old 1920s. So the 1910s now, or the 1910, I think has kind of shifted my perspective, even though it's a much lower proof at only like 93. Yeah. I just, I don't know that like that coffee chocolate combination. Well, and I think I remember you doing a couple of videos a couple of years back where you, you loved the 1920 over the 1910, right? I did. I did. And so um, now you, you think you're flip-flopped now? I don't know if I'm fully flip-flopped, if that's a terminology. Well, I'm mean, fully flip-flopped. Fully flip-flopped. Fully flip-flopped. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's closer. That gap is definitely closing Got, in. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, honestly, I just buy it to blend it now, make the 1915. I've got the I've got the PDF files for the labels. Um, I have a... I have a bottle all done. Yeah, yeah. I gotta make. I gotta make a second one. I have a sixty forty with nineteen twenty and nineteen ten, but I want to reverse it now. I want to do sixty of nineteen ten and forty of nineteen twenty. So, so and bottle that, both like of a those. Nineteen thirteen and nineteen seventeen. I mean, technically, but yeah. <laughs> all right. Man, this is super sweet. So have you have you done a fifty fifty? Yeah, fifty fifty. I've done. Yeah, we'll and see. I and I've always kind of seen just I like it a little bit more heavy on the nineteen twenty than the nineteen. So you like it to lean sixty forty. Yeah, give or take, but I, I like it a little bit more nineteen twenty than nineteen okay. uh, ten. Interesting. Yeah, but I've never. I don't think I've tried it the other way. Or if I have, I don't the, remember if it's I liked it on the nineteen ten. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a lot of fun blends, man. That I've kind of found out over the years. Um, well, I'll be going to Louder Than Life this weekend. Mm -hmm. We bought the tickets way back in December, I think, maybe January. Yep. And um, it's this weekend. And so that'll be like the third anniversary, I think, 
of, or maybe the second anniversary of when I got my President's Choice bottle just by <laughs> luck, just showing just up. Just by luck. It was just the craziest thing. But that weekend, I went and bought a 1910. That was the whole reason I, I was going to Old Forester was buy a 1910 just to drink through the weekend. Yeah. And uh, Trina actually enjoys the 1910. She likes that a lot. So yeah, that's good. It's one of her favorite bourbons. I'll tell you, that's that's sweet as can be. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, the more you drink it, the less interesting it gets. It just, I, I agree. It just the proof just dies, and so Tyler would like it. It's a little more blantish. No, blantish. 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 It's good, but it, you like you said, it just it doesn't. It, it it's almost like an ancient ancient age. Uh, 10 star or whatever where it, a nice little profile right away and then it just kind of stays flat after that never mm-hmm. and again for one drink not a problem but when you're wanting to drink something through the evening I kind of like something that continues to you know evolve or you pick up little notes it's got a little bit more um, you know complexity to it so this is the extra old and holy cow it is it's almost like coffee flavor or color <laughs> yeah which one are you still drinking the I'm still yeah oh, I went I went a little bit accidentally heavy on the pour there Did but you? yeah <laughs> So we said that was 100 proof on the 117 for the whiskey row fire Mhm So when you finish that the 1910 extra old um it looks like it actually uh stays the same proof as the 1910 Yep So it's the same proof it's 93 so that would be an interesting little comparison to uh do a 1910 right next to that so, uh, while you're finishing up, I'll read or try to. I, well, I, that one, that I, one's pretty easy. It just goes through the same process as the regular 1910, but it's but, just it, left but it's sta- it's left in that secondary bar- barrel a lot longer. Yeah, 18 months it says. Yeah. What's the uh, 1910 do? Do you know? I think the 1910 is yeah. It's like yeah, six months, like barely. It's 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 not a long time. Yeah, and so that second barreling is. Still a new uh, barrel, right? So technically still bourbon, right? Yep. But uh, I think uh, that darkness, man, that's just that really stands out to me. It it looks like coffee. I mean, it's it's dark. It and does, and I I don't know if it's just like it's what messes with your head, but it feels that way. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, it feels like it's kind of coffee-ish. But it's only know? ninety-three proof. Um, yeah. So I mean. The fact that it's only 93 proofed and it's still that dark is kind of neat. Because a lot of times you'll see that type of darkness with a higher proof that hasn't been, you know, cut down at all. Mm-hmm. But that uh, a 93 that's that dark, that's always a that's going to be interesting for me. Yeah, it's um. Wonder how much oak is going to be present in that one. And it's uh, interesting too because that we you know regular 1910 is 93 proof, and this is. Is it still 90? Oh, it is still 93. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so that's what I was saying. Like, it'd almost be neat to just throw the uh, 1910 next to it and, and do a side Yeah, side. you want to do that? Yeah. yeah. I'm going to grab it. We can do that. One real quick. Play. Yeah. There you go. Couldn't remember if you hit the record button again or, or play. All right, we're back. I grabbed a, the 93 proof one uh, 1910. Old, old fine whiskey. So that's the original 1910, the one that uh, is available in the stores everywhere. And then we also have 
to try next to it is the 117 series 1910 extra old that Jason was just talking about. Both are 93 proof. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how much of a much of a difference there oh, is. I put the wrong cork in the wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, just having them sit next to each other. Oh my god. The nose is pretty different. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Are they similar? Yeah, I mean, in but some looks darker in some aspects, but man, this thing is uh, the extra old is oh, man. is no joke. It's like, is it molasses? I don't oh care. yeah, it's like it's whew. like molasses roasted coffee bean. Oh yeah, some coffee bean for sure. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna have to go with the old fine whiskey first, the original yeah. 1910. Because That's what I think I'm on. It's, gonna, it's going to have to uh, go first just for the taste buds, I think. Yeah, old the, fi- old fine nuts. whiskey. Yeah, I love this one. It's just you know, it's got a little bit of like a mocha latte type yeah. vibe going on in it. The nose to it is uh, the 1910s, pretty good. And then you go to the you go to the extra old, and it's just like holy cow! It's it. I mean, it's it's oh. almost like they put a megaphone up to the the aroma. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, and then the the thing that the extra age has that I. Now, I think you get it very subtly on the um, the regular Old Fine Whiskey, the 1910. It's like this little tinge of a smoke note, um, but I think you really get it in the extra age. I get this big waft of uh, like barrel char smoke. Yeah. It's kind of nice. All right. I'm going to taste the original. So the 1910, the original story behind that, I mean, that's a Whiskey Row series. So that was the... The whole point of the Whiskey Row series was them telling the history of their distillery through different expressions in time mm-hmm. throughout. So you had, what, uh, 1870 was their first bottling, right? Yep. 1897 was the bottle and bond year, so they did a bottle and bond version. Uh, 1910, which was actually their last release of the Whiskey Row series chronologically. Yep. Um, and then 1920. So 1920 was basically just what they had going into prohibition right so that yeah was it was more medicinal. of a it was more of a prohibi- a prohibition style uh whiskey at that time i mean meaning entry proof final proof what what it came out as so that's what it, it was that for like medicinal reasons they kept yeah i mean out. when yeah i mean you gotta remember brown form was one of the you know the few distilleries that were allowed to uh, one of the six that were allowed yeah. to continue to you know to, to make it uh make whiskey or make bourbon through right. prohibition Medicinal, for medicinal purposes only, sure. So the 1910, so like we think of all the double barreling and things like that. That wasn't a common thing, right? That was what happened in there. That Was that a mistake or they had to fix something? Or? Yeah, basically the story goes is that because of the fire, um, they had to, you know, there were some barrels that were completely, you know, almost disintegrated. Yeah. But a lot of barrels caught fire and they had to save some barrels. So they were pouring whiskey into some of these uh, these barrels that had a lot of fire damage to it, and yeah. it gave it this super chocolatey rich note, and out of it became a recipe. And the uh, the recipe, um, I remember when you go on site, Jackie was talking about it, how they literally left a recipe behind. Yeah. So they have the original recipe of how they originally made 1910, which is pretty cool. And That's then cool. Old Forster decided to bring it back. Um, really cool story. Uh, you know, that's one of those that I feel like Old Forester could tell me any story, and they've been around so long, I'd probably believe it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whereas a lot of these stories you feel like are just made up legends. It's so contrived. Themselves. Yeah. Some marketing. It's really the biggest thing that bothers me in, in whiskey today is, is they just feel like the, they have to have something. It's just the marketing ploys that are out there. Um, 
to be I honest, mean, I, I understand you have to do it because you have to set yourself apart, but you got to understand the real marketing, I think it needs to be on the bottle, yes, not the I press agree. release because whiskey geeks like us will will read the press release and we know about the the bourbon sphere and what's happening and the 24 hours a day news cycle and all the stuff that's happening and it just seems like when you're a casual drinker and you're just going to the store and looking, you're not going to know what the hell's in the bottle. So you spend all this time, all this money on a press release and you blast it out to the masses. By the time you get to the shelf and people see it, nobody cares. Nobody, nobody heard what right. that story was. So the other, the tell other, us more on the bottle. You know, right. Give us the transparency. And I, the thing I think that bugs me, and this, is, this goes back to my marketing and stuff like that and you you have to deal with that stuff too yep is you know there was a there was a book that i had to read in college it was called one-to-one -one marketing mm -hmm. right and the idea was you're not trying to sell you know uh one product to a million people you're trying to sell a million products to one person basically and so the the mindset for me on that is yeah those marketing stories and that bs is great to get people to the first bottle mm-hmm but what's going to get them back to the second bottle? Yeah. It's got to taste good, right? It does. So, so like you're, I think it's kind of what you're saying in the sense that it's got to be on the bottle, like the, the mash bill, the, the, the process, all that stuff. If it ties back to something in history, that's great. And that's cool. Yeah. But it's not going to make me keep drinking it. Yeah, exactly. Like Elijah Craig being the father of, you know, bourbon or whatever, like, yeah, which that, is that's a great story. But yeah, if the bourbon sucks. I'm not going to drink it. I, I mean, it honestly it. could be you know bullshit. I mean, we don't know. Right, nobody don't. really knows. Right, it's just like you know? that neat with uh, what was it? Uh, Zon, what's it? Yeah, name? yeah. Uh, he's like, oh, yeah. it was the the grocer that did the. Oh, or was it the uh, the yeah. the minister? Was it the guy who did yeah. the fish and pickles yeah. and all that stuff? I mean, it doesn't matter how it happened. It just happened. And bourbon found a way, and we're enjoying it. Today. Yeah, and we're drinking it right now. All right, so I'm going with the 1910. The right, the first. Yeah, I I get oh, like man. Some, some cocoa, mm -hmm. some man tobacco. Oh, for sure, tobacco. Um, there's just I think that molasses, molasses notes there. It's there. It it almost ties the cocoa and the and the tobacco together to me. Mm -hmm. um, oh man, it's very rich. It's very rich. I mean, and it's it's a double barreling, I guess. So you almost expect it to be. If it wasn't, it would be a, a bit of a disappointment. But even at God. 93 proof, it's pretty chewy. Yeah. It's got a good mouthfeel. It's got mm -hmm. a good flavor. It's got complexity. This is one of those ones that I can drink throughout the evening. Keep drinking it. Oh, yeah. This is a, this is definitely a, just, I actually feel like this is a desserty type of bourbon. I, I love it. It's, it's sweet. It's like, if you don't want to drink a cup of coffee, just have a pour of this. Now, I'm going to save a little bit in this mm -hmm. to go back to it after I have the very old or the extra old. Yeah, the extra old on the nose, and even the pal is a different animal. There's one one thing I don't like about this extra old, and let's see if you get the same thing I do. All right. I love testing you. Not that it's a test, but just see this if you're getting the same thing that I get. But it's mainly on the palate, not the nose. The nose is fantastic. The nose is ridiculous. If if I had to guess anything that was going to maybe let me down on this is maybe it's a little tannic or something, like drying because of the extra wood yep, influence. That's exactly what it is. Is that what it's going to be? I just feel like it's uh, kind of sucks the moisture out of your palate, especially on the back end. Um, but it's very rich, and 
There's definitely more oak profile. I could see that on the the. It's a it's it's just a little bit darker than the regular 1910. I'm not gonna lie. I think nose wise, this is probably the best of all of them. Mm-hmm. I think I like the 1910 regular better on the palate. Yeah, I think the I think the maturation that extra maturation it just it's makes just a it too it's a little too much. Maybe 12 months. Maybe, <laughs> maybe 12 maybe months. Maybe 17 and a half. Maybe they should have stopped. I mean, it, it's not bad. This is good. But I just think I like the regular 1910 better. Yeah. On the palate. The nose on this is ridiculous. Yeah, the nose is stupid. I could nose this glass all day. Mm-hmm. Gets into like molasses or like super dark maple syrup. Yeah. It's, Coffee bean, mocha, that chocolatiness that it has. Man. I'm really going to have to rinse before I try that Maker's Mark. Yeah. Because this is so rich. Yeah, this is going to just kill it. Wow. This is uh, this is good. So uh, as far as your favorite, I'm, I'm going to still call out the K. I think Warehouse K yeah. is still, as far as the 117 series goes. Right. I know what you I mean. I think uh, Warehouse K is my favorite of the lineup tonight. I think K and H are probably my two favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, K is probably the, the one. It just had a lot going on. In a good way. Whiskey Row Fire, I could see that being more of a fan favorite because of how so sweet it is. Sweet, so, but it just um, the, the finish just dies. From yeah. and maybe if we did it in a different order, that finish would have been a little more evident. Maybe, but after the first two, that the finish really didn't feel like much uh, to me. For the for the uh, which one is that? The fire, but it was sweet. Oh my gosh! And the nose on that one, I should say. Those two noses are probably my favorite. The the whiskey row uh, once extra old, not whiskey row. Sorry, the nineteen ten extra old, and the whiskey fire mm-hmm. are probably my two favorite noses. Yeah, for sure. Because the the nose on the one was just like you were in a almost in like a baker's uh, store. Yeah. I'm going like to blend the two nineteen tens. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to make a 1910 extra, extra old. <laughs> uh, not, qu- not, <laughs> not quite. A 1910... 12-month. Um, maybe a... What is this? A teenager? Senior citizen? What do we call this one? Something. <laughs> midlife. Let's call it the midlife crisis. The, gold, the golden years. <laughs> midlife crisis. The midlife the, crisis. The convertible. Yeah, this blend just wants to buy a Corvette tomorrow. The, the Camaro. The <laughs> it's Camaro gonna, convertible. It's going to buy a Corvette or a Harley Davidson tomorrow. Harley Davidson. <laughs> Harley blend. I like that. Yeah. Do you do you have like a thought like if you ever did have a midlife crisis? Shit. What what would that what would that thing be? You, is there I'm, something in your head that I mean, you would that you would think? I'm you know what? If I was gonna if I was gonna go ham on something, I think for me it's probably been CrossFit, man. I'm 48. I, I think I'm in my midlife crisis, right? Like, I mean, stay, yeah, I guess you stay are. In shape and all that stuff. But and, your midlife crisis would be CrossFit. I don't what know. do you mean? What do you mean CrossFit? Like, like the fact that you run a CrossFit place? Well, I I take CrossFit. I I, do I know that, day. but I mean, but that's not something indulgent. I mean something self indulgent. It, it it is to me. It is to you. Okay. Like, well, that's really, a good thing. I really enjoy doing CrossFit. It's, okay. Um, there's really something to the endorphins after a workout and just feeling good. Like you've accomplished something. Even if you've done nothing all day, you get a workout in, you feel like you've done something. That's true. And like the days that I don't get a workout in, and maybe this is, maybe this is signs of an addiction. I, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I didn't do anything that day or I feel yeah. almost, I don't want to say worthless, but I feel like I just, 
you know, like yeah, yeah. I just started getting into working out again, pretty heavy. Just doing like walks and runs and uh, lifting weights in between. And you're right. If it, I feel like if I miss it, I feel like you know, I feel like shit. And it's interesting to me, like Trina and I, our our journey started, and it's funny because I did it before her. And if you would have ever looked at the two of us, you would have guessed that she did it before me. <laughs> yeah. Because she is, whew, she is into it big time. Yeah. But I started P90X in the basement, did it for probably two years. And then I just, they got boring in the basement and we're doing the same thing over and over. So we did P90X, P90X. That was my issue with P90X. I mean, it, it, it's fun, but every week, you know, yeah. you put those DVDs back on, it's the same shit. Right. You need you need to we switch were, it up. We were quoting his videos, at, <laughs> you know, while he was doing it. Like, yeah. uh, uh, what was the what was the one he uh, when he was talking to the the German girl? She's uh, she says uh, potato potato uh, soup or something, <laughs> and uh, I can't remember. But anyway, there's a couple things that Trina and I still say to this day that we got from those videos. I remember I did the yoga video that he did. Yeah. And I did it once, and I never watched it again because he was so annoying on that video. I mean, like the way he did it. Like, he's annoying in a few of the videos, but like he's like downward dog. <laughs> like he did it with this crazy annoying, and like every move, I'm like, dude, I can't watch this. I'm done. That's funny. Yeah, I'm just, right. let's go back to the kickboxing video, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, so then, so that's what happened. Is she got <clears throat> bored with P90X after a couple of years, started doing this hybrid thing between P90X and um, uh, Insanity. Oh, yeah. Which is like Shanti or something Shanti, like that. Shanti, yeah. And so then we both decided, hey, we got to get out of the house and do it, make it a little more social. So we went to a friend of ours was a, uh, a uh, spin class teacher. Oh. No good? The blend, it's, it's way too, um, this, this tastes like straight up nail polish remover to me. <laughs> it just got. The finish. It got medicinal. The finish definitely did. Yeah. yeah, it was it was okay at the it okay was in the front. Very viscous and then but the finish yeah. just goes way too it medicinal. Went acetone. Yeah, it went acetone. Went full acetone. <laughs> it went full ass. <laughs> oh man! But yeah, so we started going to the Y and doing spin classes, and then that lady at the Y said, "Hey, you should try out CrossFit. I go to this gym over here." So we we started going, and then I just I was hooked. All right, so take take CrossFit out of the equation. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I don't know, man. What would it be? I don't know. You ever had like a desire for like uh, a fancy car, automobile, something I mean, like I'm a super, fancy car right now, a I super like. expensive watch, or a? Uh, um, I don't know what it would be. So here's the thing. I don't even know what it would be for me, to be honest. I, it's tough for me because I feel like, and this is going to sound kind of douchey, and I and I'm fine with it sounding that way. I guess <laughs> I, I own it. But I, I feel like I've lived a life that, you know, obviously like some sort of like millionaire or billionaire or whatever. I don't, I don't, I'm not in that stratosphere. But as a normal person, I feel like I've lived a life that most people haven't lived. Like I've traveled my ass off. Um, I have enjoyed a lot of good times. <laughs> yeah. I have had success in my career for the most part. I've, um, I don't know, man. I it's tough for me because I've owned some nice cars. I've owned, you know, maybe a vacation house. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. That's a good question because that that kind of thing. I don't know. I don't know that I think that way. That's the that's the problem, and I think 
you know, Trina and I, if we ever have arguments, it's it's a lot of times based off of uh, based off of that kind of thing. Like I just don't, I don't really, um, I don't really have a lot of wants. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I just. I do have some wants like bourbons, things like that, that I would love to have. But like, yeah. it doesn't, none of that stuff keeps me up at night. None of those things are too. Uh, I gotta, I gotta say, man, I think I'm with you. I, I haven't, you know, I, yeah. Like there's nothing that I feel like, I mean, there are, there are things that, you know, that I like more than I are willing to spend money on. Like, I mean, what are my things? Bourbon and sneakers. Yeah, sneakers, I'd say that's a big thing for you. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's like between those two things. I mean, you know, I have my family. I have my girlfriend. Yeah. I, you know, she's the best thing that's ever happened to me, and I think that's all I ever like wanted. Not to you know sound really cheesy. <laughs> Roll the dice. Yeah. Let's just whip out the cheese whiz right now. I get it. No, but, but I'm I, just I'm right there. I'm just you. saying, like you 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 know you get to a certain point. It's always nice to have more things, but you know. Like I was like, for example, I was, I was engaged to someone very early on. I, I think it was in like my, I was like 23, 24. Sure. And, um, I was an idiot. I, I you know, I just, I don't know why I bought this girl a ring. I shouldn't have, but yeah. I did. And, uh, whatever it fizzled it out, fizzled out, broke up, man. When we broke up, I went large screen TV, because uh, like yourself? all, because all this, yeah, treat myself, yeah. So all the stuff that I did, like once we, like all the money I got back for like the wedding, <laughs> the the ring, like everything, I bought a big big screen projection so TV. You were that far along, I got a motorcycle. In the wedding planning. Yeah, it was. We were beginning stages, but wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah, motorcycle. Man, anyway, I got a dog. <laughs> Like my mom was like, "All right, I, I'm not, like you're gonna calm down now." I'm yeah. like, "I think I'm good now. I'm, I'm good. I'm, <laughs> I'm good." good. <laughs> once I got, once I got the dog. Yeah, but once I got Max, I was good to go. Yeah, that's funny. I, you know, I, and I don't. I'm not trying to act like I'm humble or something because I'm not. I'm not humble. I'm. I'm a pretty big dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I really am. I, and I don't care, but I I feel like I'm a fun dick. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I I'm a dick. I'll bust your balls. I do all that stuff. But like, I just don't. I don't care about that kind of stuff. Like, for example, when Trina and I go on vacation, she's generally the one driving the place we stay in because I don't care. Like, if there's a beach and a pool, I don't care where we're sleeping because that's yeah. all we're going to be doing there for the most part is sleeping. She's got to have. You know, nice accommodations. It's got to be a well decorated place. I'm like, why? We're there for well a week. Well decorated? Yes. And I'm like, we're there for a week. Why? Why that's does that in, matter? That's interesting. Yeah. It's inter- it is like interesting. Like the hotel like itself? Well, or we, your we room? Do or? like Airbnbs and stuff. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. The house, the house needs to be well decorated. <laughs> I'm just like, why? I don't, I don't understand it. Because to me, if you're staying in that place... Like the reason you're going to the beach isn't to be in the hotel or the condo or whatever. Well, it's yeah. to be at the beach or the pool or whatever you're doing. And so, like, yeah, I, I, I'm right with you because, like, I had to. Like, so recently, me and Kim, we just we just booked a trip. To, we're going to Colorado next month. Uh-huh. Uh, this is our first like trip by ourselves, like just the two of us in oh, a long wow. time. 
because uh, I generally I drag her to all these whiskey events. Things, yeah. Right. Yeah, and you know we don't, you know we haven't had a lot of chance to have like that, you know, like a nice time away for just the two of us. So we're we're gonna get to do that this year. The last trip we took was two years ago. We went to Maine, and she always kind of says that was like the best trip, like one of the best trips she ever took. So I'm like, well, how about Colorado? Let's uh let's go explore like the Rocky Mountains. We're not really beachgoers a lot. Oh, we don't, okay. you know, she's kind of very weary of the sun. Yeah. I've just, I don't know. I've never been a, a beach guy. Like, I don't mind the beach. I could lay on the beach, yeah. but I have very short patience. Like, after an hour, I'm ready to go in and do something else. Sure. Um, so we like doing, like, the parks and the hikes and yeah. checking out different, you know, different areas. And uh, so, I mean, yeah, we're really excited. But, yeah, like, the same thing. It's like, what hotel we're staying? Like, who cares? So I had her pick at the hotel. Like, yeah. you, you pick it. I, I just, yeah. it doesn't matter to me. Like, I really, really doesn't. Um, so flashback one year ago, it was, it was uh, we did a trip with my parents to Santa Rosa Beach in Florida. Mm-hmm. Love Santa Rosa Beach. It's, it's an amazing little small town just east of Destin. And it's almost to where the Truman Show was filmed in Seaside. Florida. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's in between Destin and uh, the Truman Show. Uh, location which was seaside underrated movie by the way oh so underrated so so anyway we uh we go there and there's roaches oh Oh. now there's the big palmetto bugs which you're going to get in florida yeah so that's not a you know and that freaks her out however i get it but she understands at least that those should be there but the little little roaches were there too and um you're good and uh, that freaks her out. So we were sleeping with the lights on the rest of the trip. <laughs> if any, if she caught any any movement anywhere, I was woken up. I did not sleep the whole trip yeah. because of that. Yeah, and, so much uh, for sleeping. So she has PTSD growing up. She grew up kind of poor. Okay, and so she had places with roaches and stuff like that. And so like. One of the things, and I, I think this is the root of why she probably has to have the nice places when we go somewhere, is because she doesn't want to go back to feeling like she did when she was younger. And oh yeah, I totally get places. that. And I get it too. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't question her for it. But of the two of us, she's the one who I see her going through a midlife crisis before I see myself going through one. Is what I'm <laughs> getting at. Um, I just. Don't, uh, I just don't care. Yeah, I don't think that way either. It's like I got my I got my stuff. I mean, I got, you know, I do the bourbons and, and I mean, I think the only thing that I would, you know, I, I've always liked like a nice car. Yeah. But other than that, like, that's it. Like, there's, I don't need, I don't buy fancy clothes. I don't, I have my sneakers. I get my bourbons and that's it. I'm good. For me, I think uh, if I start to have a midlife crisis, it would be <laughs> due to like the impending mortality. Of, oh, you know? yeah. And I think yeah. for me, if anything, that would make me want to spend more time with my family, not buy stuff, but actually have more experiences and do some things, for sure. and activities and stuff. So, so I'd yeah, say- Yeah, so maybe for you, it'd be like spending money on like an outlandish amount of trips because you want to yeah. keep doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, or like, like you said, like going to Colorado, going up the, the Rockies or yeah. you know, doing things like that, going to Europe or yeah. experiencing- we're doing, we're, doing a, we're doing a hot spring. Oh, yeah? Which have never- I've Like never these natural hot springs. Either, yeah, like it yeah. sound just I've, basically like a, a you know, a-, a, a, a like a naturally God-given sauna. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Which is pretty no, I've cool. I've heard of them. I've just never done one either. And yeah. It's like right in the middle of the Rocky Mountains. It's kind of like the last day we're be going. It'd be pretty cool. That would be cool. All so right, man. We've got Here it is. Cellar Aged. 
Maker's Mark. So this was bought in Ohio? Uh, yes. So what, what is that, 160 150 retail. Okay. Now, this is a special blend of aged barrels. 87% is 12 years old Maker's Mark, and 13% is 11 years. Okay, so that being said... What is the standard maker's age? Six to seven years, right? About six to seven. Yeah. Yeah. So this is 100% at least five years to four to five years older than that. Yeah. So. Yep. So it's substantial. I yeah. mean, you're talking about a substantial age and this increase is, this from is, what you normally get with makers. And this is not necessarily age stated exactly. Oh, it's age stated. But I mean, is it exactly... 12 years or is it over 12 years? Like, you know, no, it's mean? 12 and 11. It says so for sure 12. It says 87% sure. of the blend is 12 years. Right. But yeah. you know, with like whiskey, I just didn't know if maybe it could be 12 to 15. Well, that's an interesting point because, um, this, if you, you could kind of think of this bottle very much like the Russell's 13 is going to be. Okay. So Russell's 13, when it first came out and I want everybody to listen closely because this is what happened. Russell's 13, when Russell's 13 was announced and it came out, Everybody went apeshit and tried to grab as many as they can, and they also charged like thousands of dollars for it on the secondary when it first came out, not realizing it's going to be an annual release. Yeah. It's going to come out every year, so you don't have to go ham and spend all this money on getting one. It's coming out again. Same thing with Maker's Mark. Now, Is this seller age going to come out every year? It's going to be every year. Now, the proportions and the ages could be different. Bit, yeah. So we could see a 13-year in there at some point. So if you're a collector, you may want to get it every year. For sure. But just, like, don't go crazy spending all this right. money on well, it. Well, shoot, I've already seen it on the second on, on uh, websites for $600. Yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. And I'm like, I've, everything I've read says people have been spending around $300 and up for it in all the reviews that I've read, and they're all like, it's not worth it. It's not, yeah, it's it's not, not. Even close to being worth it. Yep. But I could see at $150 it being worth it. I mean... The, well, you haven't tried this yet, right? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. So I'm saying that preemptively. <laughs> but like what I what I mean by that, and I was about to explain, is the general rule of thumb for LTOs or whatever they are, um, $10 a year. Yeah. And you're so at, this, this is a little bit more than that. Right. 11 yep. and 12 years. So you're at, at least 120, maybe 100. So 150 because it is a special release. It is. And, and, and again, I could see why people are going to go crazy for this one because Makers has never released anything to the masses anything nearly this old. Right. So a lot of people have asked me, so why are they, why are they doing this now? Well, I think there's a few reasons. One is because they have the... Um, you know, they discontinued the, uh, the wood finishing series. Right. That's done. So it's kind of like, what's next? You have Jane Bowie and you also have Denny Potter who left. Well, they to, started, they're starting their own, they're right. starting their own uh, thing. Have they announced what that is yet? They have. Um, they, they, they've announced the plans for the distillery and that's going to be built, which I think is a, is there a name for it? Or it's anything? quite the game. I do. There, I think there is a name. I, I think I'm it's not, like not Jane. I think it's like Jane Potter or something like that. It's a combination of their names. Of their names. Um, Jane's addiction. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um. So, uh, what happens is, is that you know, bottles like this that when they come out and they get super popular really fast, you just don't know what could you know end up coming next from Maker's Mark. Um. But the biggest thing that they did for this one 
they are scared to death of oak. They hate oak at Maker's Mark. If Why, you, what you, do you mean by that? Like, explain. You've done tours there, right? Yeah. Tour, tours? Tours. Tours. Or as uh, Tyler says, tours. T- tours. Tours. Yeah. So when you did the, when you did the, when you did the, the tour, uh, did they say the words taste vision a lot? Did you hear that? Taste vision? Do you remember not, them not saying that? Not enough that it stood out. So taste vision is something they use a lot is because that's why they can, they constantly are rotating their barrels and using and you know going up you know up and down the rickhouse um you know trying to yeah, yeah. cuz they want consistency that's what they're built on um right. the, so their story is their story that is they rotate the barrels mm-hmm. so that every maker's mark every maker's barrel will hit that taste vision right. that Which they is, want almost impossible yeah but they somehow do it i think they're probably very well versed at making it happen they do it when you get the batched bourbons in the bottle well yeah do it from barrel to barrel is the question so well so that's you're right they achieve it well the wood finishing series stuff you got to remember they um it starts out in the warehouse and then it's aged for nine months in there i'm sorry nine weeks in that limestone warehouse where they do the picks the private selects Yeah. yeah So now they built that limestone uh, warehouse not that long ago. I think no. it's it, it's relatively seven eight years ago that they it was finished. So what they did was is it same thing with the cellar age. It started out in the rickhouse, rotating up and down, clocking clocking all the barrels, doing all that stuff for the first six years of its life. Then the rest of it was moved into that limestone warehouse. So it lived so, five or six years or four or five years. In the limestone. In the limestone, because they don't they don't like the the oak. Maker's Mark has always said. All the Samuels have said they do not like that um, tanicky, oaky sure. flavor. And I get that. That's that's a lot of times the knock on the uh, Elijah Craig eighteen. Yeah. I mean, that's a, if you get a special Elijah Craig eighteen, it's phenomenal. But if you it, but the, most of the time, I feel like they're going to be a tannic, oak heavy, and some people like that. There's a, there's definitely a group of people that enjoy that oaky, uh, and I enjoy it from time to time. It's not my go-to when it comes to bourbon, but I do like from time to time a nice oak forward bourbon. Yes, um, but I get what you're saying about being afraid of oak. That makes sense because there is a group of people out there that I've read in different forums and different you know articles, reviewers, breaking bourbon, different places that once you get past twelve years. You're not really doing much except for just adding more oak. I understand that, but I, I always just found it weird. Like makers were just so hyper focused on that age of six years. Like anything past six years, they said, "Oh, they can't deal with it." Sure. So then they bring this out because they can move it to a limestone uh, warehouse. But yeah, let's get into it. I, so, so let me ask you this: yep. When was their limestone warehouse fi- uh, finished? I believe it was twenty. Say like 2013, 2014, something like that. I'm trying okay. to remember the history from the review I did. So, so just kind of thinking about this from a planning perspective, obviously this has to have been in the works for at least five years. Yeah. Six years-ish. And, I mean, we so, were talking about Fred Minnick earlier. He's been banging the drum on a, a high-age right. maker's mark for a long time. Right. I mean, the, the conception could have started then conceptually. You know what I mean? But my point is on this is that – this isn't just a knee-jerk thing. They've mm-hmm. had to have planned this for at least five or six years. And it makes me wonder, do they sit there in a marketing department, in a tasting department, or a master distiller department, or whatever, 
maybe all those things combined where they storyboard out what's happening, what they're, what they're releasing. Cause obviously the old Forester, for example, we're doing old Forester 117 series today and we've got four of, out of the six here, mm-hmm. but they had to have planned them out ahead of time. Oh, for sure. I mean, so, I don't, I don't think people realize how future focused uh, bourbon is right, and that's what I'm getting at. Is so so. When do you think the 117 series was probably planned out? And follow up question to that: Jackie's Icans no longer there, but do you think this, even the bottled and bond that we didn't do tonight, which is their most recent of the 117 series, did did she, was she part of that planning? I, I mean, assume she was. Right? I assume she was. Right. Yeah. Because of what you just said, how forward focused they are. Or future, you know, planning or whatever it is you want. Yeah, to, there's, uh, and I think the really special distillers are, or the, or not just the distillers, but the the people, you know, making the the, the big decisions at distillers, the ones that are able to read the tea leaves the best, are the ones that could coming. stay that the ones that are stay that much more relevant. At the end of the day, you have to have good bourbon. Yep. So a lot of these gimmicky things, I feel like can mask some of that but at the end of the day you have to have good bourbon if you're going to last you have to have good bourbon you might fool me once you're not going to fool me five times right yeah so uh 2016 is when they opened that limeson warehouse okay so that's seven years ago so they had this had to have planned been planned close to that time Mm -hmm. so that was what i was getting at that was that was kind of the reason i was asking that question is if that is the case if if this is five to six years older than what they normally release. Then this had to have been planned. Yeah, it was, it for was a definitely. Long time. It was. It was definitely planned. All right, let's nose this thing. All right, here we go. I was trying to. If you didn't notice, there, I was buying time to let my palate reset a little bit <laughs> from the uh, the one seventeen extra old that was just destroying my palate. I'm sure. But really, this this uh, because of that limestone warehouse, I think, is why they were like, okay, let's throw some barrels in here and see what happens. Yeah. Without it, I don't think they would have done it. Well, right, because if you if they're like if like you said, if they were actually afraid of the oak, that cooling uh, warehouse, that that warehouse that's just so much cooler because it's right up against. It's almost like it's underground, even though it's not, uh, because it's up against a lake that's separated by a limestone bed. So, like, the cooling factor of that uh, warehouse, when you walk in, it's just naturally cool. Yeah, it's a cooler environment in that limestone yeah. warehouse, which is going to, you know, kind of keep it from getting overly oaky. Yeah. And, um, I mean, wow. when I when I, uh, when I I heard about this this release, I was like, man, Maker's Mark, if, if I know Maker's Mark, they're going to do whatever it takes to keep the oak out of this thing. Yeah. And they did. I mean, well, the, oak is, you, uh, the oak is there. I'm not getting it in the nose. But it is sweet. In the nose, I am getting a sweetness, and I will say that we probably did a disservice to this by having that 117 extra old first because oh yeah, just try to try to x that out. I'm trying to. That's why I was. <laughs> that's why I was just going on my long yeah, soliloquy. Just, yeah, yeah, just focus on what's in the glass here because I think there's some really beautiful flavors that come out of here. I get a sweetness. Um, it's very toffee. And I get almond. That's what it and is. I get, it's toffee. And I get almond biscotti cookie. I haven't gotten that yet. Let me. Maybe that's more on the palate than the nose. Let me but. let me uh, drink it and then go back to the nose too. So I'm <laughs> going to dive in, but I do get the toffee. That's that's there. Yeah. So while you're doing that, I'll um, uh, I'll kind of go through some of the talking points here, just from the from the press release. Mm. Um, 
Let's see here. There's a funk to it. So here, Maker's Mark Cellarage stays true to its philosophy, delivering a richer, deeper, and more complex older bourbon free from the harsher tannic effects commonly found in extra-aged American whiskeys as a result of our innovative maturation process that starts in traditional Kentucky warehouses and finishes in the distillery's one-of-a-kind limestone whiskey cellar. So, yeah, that's what they were going. And they say the words taste vision in the press release like four times. Do they really? Yeah. That's (laughs) funny. That's all they say is taste vision. I'm going to have to pay attention to that now. Yeah. It's like when you have a professor that says, um, too much. (laughs) Mm. So I was really expecting this to not be very good after we had all what we just had. But. But it's actually really good. It's really good. And the finish on it surprised me. The finish is the best part. Yeah. Uh, so this is what I get on the finish, which I love. Okay. You know well, those. Well, you well, know. Let me take a drink and then you, you tell me you, the finish. You do it. Do it. Mm. It's the best part of the finish. I love it. I don't get much from the um, from the front of the palate. I think there is some flavor there. It's mostly a, sweet, a little bit fruity. I've got but a good the, analogy for the. Yeah, the finish to me is. You know, you go in those old school candy shops yeah, and they have the root beer barrel candies oh, yeah. that's coated in sugar. Yeah. That's what I get on the back end of this. That uh, that makes sense. <laughs> so the way I attribute, or attribute, that's probably not right, but the way I describe the flavor of this, the way the progression of the flavor across your tongue and to the finish is like an Olympic weight lift. Like when you take a, a barbell from the floor you're not just supposed to jerk it off the ground. You're supposed to start slow and accelerate through until yeah. you reach full hip extension and then and then punch underneath of it or, or whatever, uh, depending on the lift you're doing. That's what I get on this. It starts off slow on the front of the tongue, and then as it goes across the back of your tongue, it actually really starts it really to explode ramps up. and ramps up, and then it, it finishes you, really strong. You've said a word before that I think uh, that, that's very uh, apropos here, which is blossoms. Yeah. It, I'm sorry, not blossom. It blooms. Blooms, yeah. As it works its way yeah. back. You've no. said that before, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's that's probably a really good way to describe this. It just it, it starts off. You're starting to get like that Maker's Markian type of flavor profile, but it's a little bit more amped up, fruity, sweet, almond cookie. But then that it just blooms on the on the finish of this thing. I I would buy this for one fifty. For one fifty, yeah. I, I would buy this for one fifty. I would not pay six hundred dollars for this. Mm-hmm. But I would buy this for one fifty. It's really good. Yeah, this is really good. Um, that that root beery, molassesy finish on the back end is what makes this bourbon. But now, if you took this bourbon and you put it against, say, that Luxro twelve year you have right there, sure, it it's gonna it it comes off weird. I'm telling you, it's just a weird thing. I think people that get this bottle. We're gonna. People are already. They jump to. Let's compare it. Let's see how good it really is. Yeah. And I get that part of it. But here, here's the. Here's I did that on my live stream last week, and, and Maker's I, Mark. This came in last. Uh, here's, okay. So I understand the want to do that. I do it too. Mm-hmm. But, and and stick with me here. I think that a lot of times. My experience with a bourbon is completely different depending on what I'm doing with it. Yeah. So food, other bourbons I'm eating, drinking with it. And I and and one step further into that is I feel like some bourbons actually complement each other. Yeah, they, they can. 
whereas other bourbons can kind of fight against each other. Two, two bourbons I always have an issue with in blind tasting that kind of stick out like a sore thumb. One is Maker's Mark, and the other is Four Roses. I don't know why those two are weird to me. When you go and, up against other things. Yeah, if you throw them in a blind tasting for some reason, and they stick out, but it's never in a good way. Yeah. It's like, why is it? This now, one's really weird. when you do really Four weird. Roses against other Four Roses, no problem. But, no problem. But I, but I know what you're saying. Yeah. And that's what I mean. I think, and, and it all goes down to the order that you do them. And the bourbons that you're putting in front of or behind or whatever, it's there's something weird that like I'll have something one night and I'll switch up to another drink and I'm like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> and then I'll have that same thing the next night and be like, oh, this is really good. What was I thinking? And I and I honestly think that there's something about bourbons that that some of them fight against each other, some of them complement each other. Yeah, and I really truly. That's why believe I think because Maker's Mark see what you're saying. generally fights against other bourbons. Yeah, this is meant to be, you know, on its own, to to be enjoyed on its I own. I wonder how this would compare to an other like cask strength um, regular makers. So I did that on my review. I put this against Maker's Mark 46 cask strength. Okay, but what to see what regular, those flavors what are. What about regular? Uh, Maker's Mark cast strength. Yeah, I actually didn't have a bottle of that during the review. I I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that's funny. I was like, I don't have that bottle. I don't... <laughs> Should have asked me. Yeah, um, but like because this isn't doesn't have any extra staves or anything. Yeah, it doesn't have anything added to it. But I was... I know some folks had requested I do kind of this in a blind against some of the wood finishing series. You know, FAE BRT, all those ones to see how it stacks up. But I'm like, yeah, but that's added you know stuff to it. I think. I think you're right. I think the most, the the best thing to compare this to would just be straight up Maker's Mark cast strength. Yeah. You're going six years versus, you know, 11 and 12 year. Right. And this mostly is what, 12 year. proof? 115. And then, you know, that's going to be in the, that 110 to one. You, yeah, it's like 108 to 113 ish. Yeah. So. But yeah, I the mean. The mouth feels good. It's got a little bit of a funk to it, but I think that's what I said on my first I, drink. I think it's that wheat funk that you get in yeah. older age wheaters. Yeah, and I said that on my first drink, and then it's kind of dissipated. I'm I, yeah. now that I'm now the more that you I'm sip into it, it, it goes yeah. away. Yeah, but it's still there. It's it, but it, it almost comes off like dusty as opposed to funk, which I know those are similar, but like. So what what's been kind of your uh, what's been your uh, I, I guess uh, perspective on makers? Have you been a makers fan? And I'm not oh, talking I, about I, wood finishing series, like kind of and the picks kind of leave those off the table. I'm talking about okay. their standard That's releases. Fair. I was yeah. going to say, have you seen my room? <laughs> no, yeah, that top I, shelf is a ton. I know of you makers. have a lot of wood finishing series, yes, but I I'm do. Ta- but I'm talking about pure makers. I'll I'll even let you throw in 46 in there because okay. that's okay. that's part of the. The standardization. So, so right when I first so when I first got into bourbon and I did not know anything, mm-hmm. I honest to God didn't know the difference between makers and, and makers forty six. So I thought <laughs> I thought forty six was like something different. Like uh, I honestly don't remember what I thought it was, but it wasn't what I thought it. Okay, it, it's not what I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and so, but I do like I do like regular makers. I don't, and I like makers one hundred one. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy Makers 101. Oh, I actually did put this against Makers 101. Especially in the winter. Mm-hmm. I love Makers 101, to me, is a great wintertime bourbon. That cinnamon that comes out for me, it's it's strong, but it's good. Yeah, it's, I actually take that back. In my review, it wasn't Makers 46 cash rank. I put that against Makers 101. 101. 
And Which they makes were, sense, I guess. it was similar on the nose. Yeah. Um, palette, obviously brighter on the 101. This has a little bit more density to it. However, it's the finish that makes it. Yeah. That this, makes this. The finish is outstanding. The finish is outstanding. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, I, I like Makers 101. I like Makers Mark. So, generally speaking, I go to a wedding or I go to some sort of uh, function or whatever. They almost always have makers. They always have makers. I go out of state and it's not a big bourbon state. They'll have makers. And I'll, I have no problem drinking makers. Mm-hmm. I'll even I'll even have an old-fashioned made from makers. That doesn't bother me. I mean, generally you see uh, the top three, which is uh, actually the top four. Bean, you'll see Knob Creek. You'll see Knob Creek, Makers Mark. Um, yeah, Knob Creek, Makers Mark, uh, Bullet. Bullet's always Bullet's there. always there, yeah. too. Yeah. Well, then Jim Beam is always there. And well, Jim, that's what I like, Knob Creek. Yeah, 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 yeah. Knob yeah. Creek. Um, but, yeah, if they're going to have something other than Jim Beam and Jack Daniels, it's generally Makers Mark. Mm-hmm. And sometimes Makers Mark and Jim Beam are interchangeable. So you'll see Makers Mark or you'll see Jim Beam. You, yep. Sometimes you don't see both. It kills me when their high-end bottle is Basil Hayden. Oh, God. That, <laughs> me that just cracks me It up. just kills me. Like, oh, we have Basil Hayden. Have you had that? Uh, uh, yes, yes, sir. I've I had Basil, Basil Hayden. Hayden. Yeah, don't worry about that. <laughs> Let's move along. What else you got back there? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so, yeah, I went to um, – on. so on our vacation, we go to we went to Santa Rosa again this, this year. Mm-hmm. The 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 we stayed at an Airbnb and it was in a neighborhood. It was a gated neighborhood, and uh, they had a community pool. I've got to show you pictures of it. It's crazy. Yeah. The community pool had waterfalls, and it was like a resort pool, but it was like a neighborhood. Like people actually live there. That's awesome. And so people Airbnb it out, and we stayed in one of those Airbnbs. It came with a golf cart. We were about a half a mile away from the beach, but the golf cart, you know, gave you the ability <laughs> to go right down to the beach. Yeah, yeah. So we, we split our time between the beach and the, and the pool, but I pretty much gravitated towards the pool because it, it was awesome. You know, it was just amazing. You didn't have to go very far. It was like a resort pool. Yeah. It was so crazy. like, I'd rather like hang out in a pool all day than on a beach. I, I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. Um, there's just so much more to do to prepare to go to the beach than there is to go to the pool. Exactly. Um, like all you need for the beach is a damn towel, <laughs> some suntan lotion, and maybe a book if you're just going to hang out. Other than that, the pool. You mean grab yeah, your yeah, yeah right. for the pool. Yeah. Other than that, grab your floaties and get <laughs> get the pool. Right. <laughs> and so, um, I really enjoy the pool. I really, especially when it's a nice pool. Um, and that was the highlight of this trip. Was that pool? It was. Yeah. It was nuts. That's awesome. Um, but like, so that's where I found the B five twenty three and the Elijah Craig B five twenty three, the Larceny and the, and the Elijah Craig. They were there. They had. Jack Daniels twelve, Jack Daniels ten, they had, but they were expensive. Oh, like, I can it, imagine. It, Florida's a secondary state. Oh, for sure. So, uh, yep. but the B five twenty threes were regular priced. Nice. And here's the funny thing: is I bought the Elijah Craig B five twenty three on the first day I was there at Walmart. <laughs> it was sitting on the top, just intermingled with the regular Elijah Craig's. I don't think they knew what they had. Well, maybe. And so it was just sitting there. I love when that happens. And I'm like, wait, that's a different label. And I look and I'm like, because it, it was like in the mix. And I'm and it was up above on the very top shelf. Yeah. And they had none on the regular shelf. Yeah. Like they had the regular Elijah Craig's there. But like I look up and I'm like just looking to see what might be up there. And I just see a different label on that Elijah Craig. And I'm so I just go grab. the. They had this little uh, stepladder cart thing. 
I just went and grabbed it, <laughs> climbed up on that, and the, and the lady's like, "You need some help, sir?" I was like, "No, I got it." And so I grabbed the bottle, and I'm like, "Holy shit, this is a I'm like what do I work here? Give me, give me this bottle." But I'm like, "It's an Elijah Craig B523 just yeah, sitting up there, just seating up. That's crazy, dude." And there were a, there were a few of them, but then I texted you that I got it, and you're like, "Yeah, it's not very good." And I was like, "Shit." What the B523? The Elijah Craig. Oh, Elijah Craig. Yeah, B523 was isn't great this year. But I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Ah, dude. There was some cherry. It was some. Yeah. Now I'll have to try it against the A and the C when you bring those over. I'll bring those over. <laughs> the C. So my live stream tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, is I've heard I'm, the C is outstanding. The C is ridiculous. Uh, the your, C, your counterpart uh, on Mash and or um, yeah, uh, Scott Journey. Yeah, he, he's thinking it might be the bourbon of the year because he because he was in love with A one twenty three. I'm like, dude, wait till you have C nine twenty three, and I'm so glad he got a bottle. I know it's a little bit harder for him to get stuff up in Wisconsin, yeah. so he got one. And dude, it it's so I have a live stream tomorrow night. And I am putting C923 against all my other favorite batches of. Do you think it's going to Elijah Craig Browper? I don't know. I don't know how it's going to blind. But in, um, in your in your head right now, how do you think it's going to perform? So my favorite batch of all time has always been C918. Yeah, that's way back. Wow, it's a way back batch. Right. I love that batch. Yeah. Um, how much of that do you have left? I I stocked up on that batch, so Did I have you, yeah I have a couple, couple I have a few because at the time when I loved that batch so much there it wasn't still it wasn't as popular as it is now oh yeah um you know C nine one eight was like oh okay that's a good batch I love that batch every time I go back to it I love it yeah um but there have been some really good batches in between leading up to this one uh, the A one twenty three is really good this year loved it I thought B five twenty three just it's not that it's a bad bourbon. It's just kind of flat compared to like these others where you find all these like really rich flavors in uh, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. Um, it just it just stayed so even keel to me. I'm like, I could I could see that. I guess yeah. There's just not. But like, I thought the flavor was all good. No, it's all it's good. Um, okay. But that's okay. the thing. Okay. But, but that's the thing. You have to, you know, when you're nitpicking these these batches, yeah, you're kind of like trying to figure when out you're putting them against each other and stuff. You have to, yeah, I get that. Yeah. So when I put A one twenty three versus B five twenty three, the you know the difference was incredible. Okay. Uh, but then C nine twenty three comes out with a thirteen year seven month age statement, and you're like, wow, is that the oldest it's been in a while? Uh, so you know, so. Just this year, you know, they they changed the uh, for B five twenty three. They changed the uh, you know the age statements on it. They got rid of the twelve on the side, and now you have on the front. Right, the actual, it gives you the, the actual, actual the youngest age that's in the blend right, that's in the right, small right. batch. Um, Up to that point, it had always been twelve years. Right? Twelve years, but the B five twenty three wasn't it younger? Yeah, it was eight years and change. Okay, that's what I thought. So people got people lost their mind, but then people come on. I know, but then if it tastes good. Who cares yeah, how old it is? But then C comes out. And it's thirteen seven. Thirteen seven. That's that's insane. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen. I mean, obviously, because they always say um, not only is it thirteen seven, but it's a hundred and thirty three proof. So you're getting into an old school Elijah Craig barrel proof pirate bottle. Yeah, type of right. Because I think experience. the most I've seen is like one thirty one, one thirty. Yeah. Something so like I'm that. handpicking some of my favorite batches tomorrow night, and I'm throwing a pirate bottle in the mix to see how it goes against to see how good this C923 is because it's really damn good. Well, I was going to bring that tonight, but I figured we were doing all this. I'm like, let me bring hey, this you'll because... You'll just have to come back again. <laughs> next time, next time. You'll have to come back again. Yeah. It, it's, it's just when you thought you were out. Just when I thought. <laughs> I have a couple of other... 
fun things I think you guys should try. Um, the Baker's 13. Oh, you have that? Which I just released Damn a it. review for that. Um, I've been looking for it. Was that in Ohio anywhere? No, I got that one in Kentucky. Did you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it pretty good? It's much better than the. So I don't know if you remember in 2019 when they first redid Baker's. They went from the slender wine look. The slender wine look bottle to the new look, yeah. which looks like, uh, you know, the. I, some of those are pretty good, though. The, they, they're great. I think, I still think it's one of the most underrated bourbons in the market. Um, but then, uh, along with the new release, they released a few 13 year barrels, special release Baker's in the market as that well it wasn't it wasn't a huge release but they had some those silver 13 year yeah. boxes that kind of went out into the market to kind of coincide with the release of the new bottle design yeah and we haven't seen it since until this year they brought back some 13 year bottles so here's the thing let me ask you jim beam they release a lot of high aged affordable yeah, bourbons, and I'm talking ten dollars a year, ten dollars per right. year of aging. So Baker's is 130 bucks. It's a 13 year old bourbon. They do the same thing with Knob Creek 12 year. They do the same thing with Knob Creek 15 year. They do the same thing with Hardin's Creek. Right. All three Hardin's Creeks this year are all 16 or 17 years old or 160, 170 dollars respectively. I mean, they're every single thing, but they release so many high age releases. It feels like, but they're all the same mash bill. So you hold have all these. Hold on, hold yeah. On, hold on. Yeah. So I'm just. That's what Buffalo Trace does. They've got three mash bills. Right. A high rye. Well, they've got the two ryes and the wheat. What I would like to see. But my point is, is they've got 23 fucking uh, uh, brands. Well, you could say the same thing about Turkey, too. Right. But I'm just saying that it's not. This isn't like. Something no. they're pulling over your head. Everyone I know, but, does it, and but it, I under, it all tastes different. I understand that from a perspective of if you're releasing six, seven, year, eight-year blend. But when you're talking 14, 15, 18-year, when these age statements are hitting the market and people like oh, people love age statements, yeah. Jim Beam is probably has released more high age statements than anyone. Well, but they're also one of the bigger distilleries. Yeah, right? I get that, but why? I mean, so, so they you probably get, have a lot of extra. They have a lot of it. during the time when, when bourbon yeah. went bye-bye for a heaven while. hill is doing it now i feel like they so, have a 17 year 20 year right. they have this 13 year logic barrel proof 18 year let me ask you this so like you've got you've got jim beam i'm sure jack daniels too and all these different places jack daniels starting to put some 10 and 12 years out on the market and stuff like that but like you're starting so going back to the lore of uh blanton's and um uh elmer t lee and all that stuff where yeah they they saw that certain places produced different taste profiles, profiles right yep. so same mash bill different locations producing different taste profiles okay we've got a 12 year here and a 12 year here that tastes completely different all right let's call this one bakers let's call this one you know yeah. knob creek 12 or or whatever you know so is that all they're doing? I mean, I don't feel like they're pulling anything over our. No, I, I don't think so. But my my it. my question is, it's like it's all the same mash bill. There's not a ton. Well, I mean, that's one of my issues with Buffalo Trace. The same mash bill with three different brands. Is it really that different? People go crazy for it. You know, it's different bottle styles. They, I think everybody does their version of that. Right. I get it. But for me, Jim Beam, for whatever reason, has the closest profile. 
than any of the others as far as like a 15 year to 18 year knob creek is it really that They're much different for yeah, it's all the same mash bill and they all kind of taste the same however this baker's this year to me had something else going on okay so that i really i really dug it it's it's good well, i i will say that to me it's a testament to bourbon in general mm-hmm all the different variables, everyone, like if you watch these videos and these movies and different documentaries and stuff, they always say, oh yeah, 60% of the taste comes from the barrel. Sure, maybe. Or 60% of the taste comes from the yeast strain. Do we know? Do we really know? Like you're just making up numbers. There's no way to quantify that, where the flavor is no. coming from. <laughs> like, you're right. So I feel like that's just bullshit and adds to the lore. But my point is, is that it's a testament to bourbon in the sense that You've got the same mash bill, the same yeast strain, the same location is in the U.S. It's in Kentucky, same aging location. But all you're changing, potentially, is location in a rickhouse and elevation in a different rickhouse, potentially. Yeah. And you get just so much crazy flavors. And some of it comes from the wood, I'm sure. I don't doubt that, you know. But, like... I think most of it, like in my opinion, I think I think it comes from the barrel. That's where I think a lot of it. I think so I too. I think I would I would give it eighty to eighty five percent comes from the barrel. But my argument to that would be, if that is the case, there's so much going on with the barrels, from season to season, droughts, rainy seasons, uh, you know whatever that happened along the way before these trees became barrels Mm -hmm. that no two barrels with the exception of maybe if you made like 50 barrels in a group or something like that, but no two barrels should really be the same. No, I I get that. So, so if that's the case, how do you end up with a, if that's the case and, and barrels play that much of a role on the flavor, how do you end up with a uh, consistent taste profile? They blend them. Yes, I get that. Yeah. I get that. They blend it, but I mean, again, again, my point again, is I'm not talking. To, so to end up close. So even if you have two barrels that have completely different, um, uh, you know, different microcosms within the, within their wood staves and within the wood that's created that barrel, that's going to give a funky flavor. Yeah, doesn't matter what each barrel does. You're still you're still got to figure that eighty seventy five to eighty percent of that bourbon is getting its 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 flavor imparted by the barrel whether it's a shitty barrel a good barrel a different barrel a consistent barrel it's always coming from the barrel now and you're, yeah you're talking in big numbers now so that yeah i mean overall, yes yeast strain to... yeast strain mash bill okay. all that comes into play yeah but if if you're a good master distiller you know you you could kind of control all that the ph everything that goes into what you create as long as there's no off flavors no moldy uh, corn being used because friggin' two kernels of moldy corn right. can fuck up your entire hole. batch. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it's so, really, you're depending on that barrel and the aging process to do what you think it's going to do to your bourbon. Follow-up question. When you get a bad barrel, do you does that become a single barrel? <laughs> <laughs> I think for some it does. Yeah, right. And we've tasted it. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was getting at. Remember that, remember that one? Yeah. The, <laughs> Which one are you playing? L- Lux Row. Remember that oh, weird barrel? That, yeah, that was a weird one. The the uh, but it was tasting. The, was it the Rebel or the Ezra? 
I don't know. There was one that just tasted like it tasted like dirt, dirt, and like grass <laughs> clippings, and like it was weird. It's like what happened to that barrel? Yeah. And like, didn't you say it ended up in the gift shop? You think? I because we went back like a week later. Yeah. And I swear. I, <laughs> I swear that you that was what they were serving at the bar. I, and you were like, this is the barrel we had. I and swear, it's terrible. It is. Why is it up here? Right. <laughs> like, why would you try to use this to promote it? Like, do bait and switch. I'm fine with that. Like, serve something at the bar and then sell something shitty. You know, oh, that's what this was. Dude, real quick, did I tell you about the barrels we picked at Starlight? You mentioned it, but I you haven't told me in person, no. Yeah, so. Uh, you, like, got three different or four different barrels? Well, we got three. We had a One fourth. Like a, we have a fourth, but we split it with yes, uh, it's it bourbonite, Chad and okay. Sarah. But um, first one was a French oak aged bourbon that was then finished in a honey barrel. Ooh. So a French oak honey. It's like this spicy honey. It is so decadent, and I didn't think I would like it. It was going to be overly too sweet. Yeah. But, but the yeah. honey, the honey didn't like take it over too much. So it had a little bit more of that French oak spice. Yeah. And a little bit of that sweet from the honey. That's it, nice. Dude. That sounds good. It was so good. Um, by the way, Starlight, one of the best experiences you're ever going to have picking a barrel. I love I've done it once. Yeah. We, and it was the first one we did. Of did, you do it with, did you do it with Andrew? I, uh, it was Christian. Christian. Okay. We did it with Christian. Yeah. And then is, who's the master distiller? Um, that is, uh, I, don't, I always forget which Huber it is. Well, he came in partway through. Oh, it did. And okay. I'm not kidding. I feel like they shut down the distillery for us. Yeah. And we were getting, like, we were getting drunk. Yeah. That's and, what the feeling is when you go our, there. It was our first one of the day. We had two more to do after that. Yeah. Like, that's what the feeling, though, is. Like, when you go in there, you feel like you're the only person there. Yeah, it was awesome. Which is how it should be. And we were just thieving out of barrels. Yeah. And then, they like. They don't stop. At one point, I was just drinking everything they gave me, and I'm like. There well, is a there is this a this is going to um, be bad. So we then started throwing it out in the drain, there, <laughs> and we're like, there is a tier system there. So the more picks you do there, the better barrels you get. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, so we were after a group. Well, you've done a few now, so you're probably up. This was our high. third round. Yeah. So he pulled out. So Andrew, who's just one of the greatest dudes in the world, he's like, he's like, is your third time here? I'm like, yeah. And he's like, uh, he's like, what did you pick before? So I kind of went through what we picked, and um, he's like, oh yeah, I remember when you picked that. He's like, okay. He's like, I got some barrels for you. So I was like, <laughs> okay. So uh, the French Oak Honey. So the I was with the group before us because he was another fellow whiskey tuber. It was okay. Dusty Dan. Oh. And um, he's like, Dusty was like, do you have any like honey barrels? And he's like, no, we got no honey. Uh, so, but oh, he did have honey. <laughs> And it was <laughs> mild flex. Yeah, it mild was the flex. it was the well again. This is kind of the yeah, tier yeah, thing. thing. So yeah. uh, they kind of hold back, and I'm sure there's other barrels back there that were probably there for guys that you know have done five and six you know you know times uh, of picks. But we got the French oak honey. The second one, I didn't even want to taste. I'm like, don't even give me that shit. Turkish brandy, Turkish apricot brandy finished bourbon, and I was like, yeah. I'll I'll taste it, whatever. I take a sip of this thing and I'm like, holy crap! It was good. It is so good. Really, it doesn't taste like apricots. It's it's almost like the Turkish brandy gives it this elevated sugary sweetness, but it had a finish as well. I will say that the one thing that really impressed me about them 
is all the experimental stuff they were doing. All the crazy barrels they were bringing yeah. in from like different woods and different things and different like used barrels from yeah. other stuff that they I brought requ- in just, I re- to, just to test it out. So they have a blueberry port finished bourbon. What? I requested. I'm like, next time I come here, I want a blueberry port finished rye. You make it happen. What did they say? I want it. They're like, well, our rye crop kind of sucked this year, so we don't have that much rye. So we'll we'll see what we can do. Well, I'll tell you. Uh, so I, the one I went there, I went there with bourbon enthusiast James. Yeah. Um, and he had been there a few times before that. So it was actually, uh, it was actually a, I don't know, uh, probably his second or third trip there, kind of like what you did. And they were just giving us like all these cigar blends, all these different. I mean, it was, and yeah. then he did probably two and a, I think two and a half barrels there. We did two barrels in the main rick, and then we went to the other rick where it was like, uh, there was a honey finish. There was a. Yeah. It's a funny. As soon as I walked in, I'm like, I don't want any Amburana shit. No, I yeah, don't, I'm over it. They were trying what to show else us. You have? All, yeah, that and we tried. I bet you we had twenty barrels. Yeah, they have we, some crazy stuff in there. Yeah, it was interesting. The third barrel we picked ended up being a PX sherry, and it just tasted like chocolate covered raisins oh gosh it's so, so good. good so yeah we couldn't wait we can't wait for those picks but yeah man this was fun yeah um makers mark seller age buddy good stuff i like it um this is something i'm gonna have to look out for and try to get msrp i'm not paying crazy amounts for it but i i'd pay msrp for this yeah um i think is, that's what i think that's what it's worth i think it's yeah. good um i think it's priced where i think it's, it's where it needs it's to be where it needs to be and i think it's it's enjoyed better on its own uh, i'm telling everybody that's listening out there if you put maker's mark against some other hitters it's gonna fall flat maybe not to everything but for most things it's gonna fall a little flat so yeah, just just enjoy it for what it is uh it's the first maker's mark high age ex- expression we've seen ever uh, but remember, again, it's an annual release, so that we'll, we will see more of this next year, and the year after that, and the year after that, and until Maker's Mark, uh, you know, can keep it going. So, yeah. but to your point, they they plan for this, so they knew they have some stuff aging um, that's probably pretty high up there in age. And I, I love, I mean, we haven't talked about it, but I love the bottle. The label's very simple. Very simple. And this... But then there's some embossing on the label. That I think it says Maker's Mark right there. In the yeah, on that label. But this part, I thought, was literally written by a Sharpie. But it's actually etched into the glass, is if you it? feel it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Which pretty cool. So it says 2023 release. And they're only going to write that if there's going to be a 2024 release and would, so on and yeah, so forth. Yeah, you got so to do something to, you gotta to distinguish, distinguish it. them. Yeah. yeah. So... Huh. So, well, I appreciate you, as always, bringing ridiculous amounts of bourbon over here. <laughs> um, I mean, I, it's never expected, but it's always appreciated. And uh, like you always say, it's not about the bourbon. It's the people you, the people uh, you share, share it with. with. So I, uh, I embrace that. Hell yeah, man. <laughs> well, thanks for coming, man. Um, as uh, was a surprise, no one else was here tonight. So um, hopefully Brett's not in the doghouse. After <laughs> yeah, I hope he's all right. His birthday. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, but uh, join us again next week. Uh, we're going to get to the Four Roses 10 recipes here soon. I don't know, but here soon, hopefully. Maybe next week. We'll see. Thanks for joining us. Join us next week. Thank you for joining in for yet another episode of The Bourbon Hunters. If you like what you hear, please leave us a good rating on Apple, Podbean, Google, or wherever you are listening. It definitely helps us to get great guests on our show. And follow us on Instagram and the Facebooks to keep up to date with what is in our glass. As always, sit back, grab a pour, kick up your feet, and enjoy some bourbon. Bourbon.